Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of the Baby Bowl 2020 here on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. We are celebrating, I think this is week five, Rob. Is it, Do we get finished with week five already? Yep, finished with week five. And we look ahead to week six, of course. So we'll take a look back at the week five winner and also players that made us cry. And then we'll look ahead to week six, people who are players who are going to make us proud papas this week. And of course, you heard the voice of Rob Norton, the I guess the founder. Does that does that sound too official? Does that give you too much prestige here in the baby bowl? (laughs) Founder, uh, creator, whatever you want to say. Yeah, you're the guy who got all this together. The Baby Bowl 2020, of course, this is a great contest that we're all a part of, and it it helps support the March of Dimes and a lot of the proceeds that we had. What was it, a $50 entry? Yeah, $50 entry, and uh, half half of each entry will uh, go to donation. Okay, and the other half is kind of spread out for prizes, which I do want to get to because I think the listeners are very curious as to what those prizes are, and I love the aspect of having both a donation and a prize in this contest. And Rob, how many people joined this contest this week or this year? Uh, This year we uh, finished with 62 contestants. That's that is very special. One of those contestants getting their second appearance on this program, the first two-time winner. Did I say that right? The first two-time winner, the double winner, the double whammy. Old David Latham is appearing on this podcast again. I think you were on here just last, uh, two weeks ago, David. Two weeks ago, yep. Um, week four was awful for me, but I bounced back this time. No, it, it might have been my advice that I gave you on the podcast. Probably hurt you a little bit. Unless, of course, <laughs> you just played opposite people of mine, then you probably did pretty well. Let me make sure everybody gets our handles here. Uh, Rob Norton, of course, is on Twitter at Norton0723. And David is at DL Pat's Thoughts. Both of you guys are writing for uh, Last Word on Sports, LWOS, right? That's correct. Yes, okay. sir. Uh, now, I did notice, David, because you uh, we talked last time, that you had all those Patriot highlights and you had all those Buck highlights. Dude, I scrolled down your highlights a little bit. I didn't see a lot of Bucks Bears highlights from a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> so, no, they lost, so obviously I wasn't too thrilled to watch it again. But honestly, um, I live in the middle of the nowhere, and cable went out during the game, so I couldn't really, like, watch it at the time. So I knew, I knew what happened. I didn't really feel compelled to rewatch it and do all that, so... <laughs> That was one of the most compelling games of the year. John Frisella and I talked about that a little bit over on his podcast this, this past week, and it was full of a lot of different drama. And the one thing I noticed, if you did want to do some highlights, you could just put like Hulk Hogan body slamming somebody because that looks as what that that's almost what Marlon Mack or Marlon Mack that's almost what Mack did to the offensive line of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that night. Yeah, I saw him uh, throw works like. Like a little child, it was unbelievable that a human being can do that. With one arm, too, man, that is crazy strong. And Wirfs is having a great year, too. Like he's their first round pick, and he's playing up to it. Yeah, he he was a. I think that that was part of the little plan of Tom Brady coming there. He said, "Okay, I'll come there as long as you guys start picking offensive linemen in the first round. I'll come there. You know, <laughs> make things a little bit easier on them." Hey Rob, uh, tell everybody if you don't mind. What do you do? You have those prizes in front of you of what the different prize totals are. Yeah, I do actually. Um, so the total prize pool ends up being one thousand five hundred thirty-two dollars, 
And so it breaks down top five get paid um, for season long standings and then also a weekly high score gets paid. So um, since I didn't know how many people were going to join, I put it as percentages. So after now we know that it's a finalized at 62, we know that the first place prize is about 609, second place 306, third place is like right about 200, fourth place is just over 61, uh, fifth place is just about 30 bucks and then each weekly high score bonus um gets just over 15 bucks so probably those top five players at some point somebody's going to probably win one of those weeks so everybody makes the money back the entry feedback not that anybody's really uh, cares about that too much but because of course we're donating to the march of times and all this as well and i'm gonna let you get this next stat together while i talk to david for a minute but uh I'll let you get the overall standings as of through week five if you don't mind we'll get that out there to the public as well but david this has been a pretty cool tournament have you ever joined a tournament like this before i have not i've always been a fan of like dfs more than um fan than like your traditional fantasy football just because if you mess something up in fantasy football traditional style you're stuck with it for the whole year you have to work pretty hard to like if you drafted CMC or Saquon this year, your season's more or less over because of an injury you couldn't control, whereas DFS, it's just one week you can move on. Baby Bowl kind of, to me, combines the best of both. I'm really having fun with the format. Yeah, and like you said, it combines both of them. So when we do choose a player and they perform bad that week or they even perform good, we never get to use them again the rest of the year. So I, I always think of it like an elimination tournament as far as players go. That's probably the wrong way to think about it because I know, I, Rob, I know I'm not crack, cracking the top 10 because of that 44-point week I had that time. Uh, so uh, who who are in the top 10, though? So, yeah, for the uh, for the top 10 – Right now, as it stands, we have um, Matthew McCarthy is leading the way with uh, over 706 points. And then we have Joshua Cho in second place with 694. We have Jacob Dunn, um, who's also he's been on uh, one of the guests so far. Uh, he He's in third right now, 686.96. Um, we have Steve Howard in fourth at. 685.82 and then in in fifth place we have will harris also has uh been on the show with 652.22 that's pretty cool i i uh, we, it is nice to be able to have those people on and, and of course, have David on as well, being a, a, a repeat champion. I was going to give you a big Ric Flair introduction, David, whenever I lost steam, though, as the day went on, I lost steam to be able to do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Two-time champion kind of a thing. Uh, but as we get going here and as we found out... We've had a lot of disappointing performances, and we started calling those people players that made their fantasy dads cry throughout the week, right? I mean, this is, especially in the baby bowl, to kind of keep up with that theme of players that made us cry. I know for me last week, I had a pretty good week last week. I think I, I was in the top 15 anyway. Besides David, who, who finished top five last week? Top five last week. Let's see. So David uh, squeaked out the win by 0.26 and then in wow. second place we had Juan Sainz uh, sorry if I mispronounced that last name but he uh, had 158.24 uh, 
Um, in third, we had Wyatt Bertolone. Again, sorry about the last name. <laughs> um, but he was in third with 150.16. In fourth, we had Joshua Cho with 142.46. And then in fifth, we had Matthew McCarthy with 141.24. Yeah, he's he's finished at top ten almost every week. It seems like, and I had a yeah, pretty good so. lineup going. Yeah, I had a pretty good lineup going. I ended up picking Ian Thomas last week, guys. I going against the Atlanta Falcons offense or defense that that let Tonyan score three touchdowns the week before. Just a terrible mistake by me. There, yeah, Ian, Ian Thomas got me zero points last week. I know, that was terrible. Other than that, though, I thought I did pretty good. I was like one thirty something or something like that. But who did you have in your successful lineup, David? Uh, my successful lineup, I went Mike Davis because uh, CMC's coming back soon, and it's just, you know, it really is just the role in that offense is so valuable that obviously CMC's a great player, but Mike Davis has proven that, you know, you don't need to be this elite talent to get it done. I had him power me through a lot of it, had Tyreek and Mahomes stacked, and that paid off, although it looked kind of shaky there for a while, but they got some good garbage time yardage for me. Yeah, and you're right, Mike Davis. That was the first time I think that I watched Carolina play the entire game. And, man, they just he, they get dump-offs after dump-offs. Great in PPR scoring right now, Mike Davis is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I knew I had to use him before CMC came back, and this was the week for it. And I think, Rob, you said everybody needed to use him last week. Uh, and, and I don't know if you had a chance to because you may have already put him in a lineup. But what was your lineup constructed of, Rob? Yeah, I was gonna say last week on the on the pod, I, I said I was like, if if you haven't used him, use him. I mean, this was that was the week, and I think he was. I didn't look through all the lineups, but I'm pretty sure he was one of the most popular plays. But um, yeah, I would have definitely played him, but I had, I had used him the previous week. So um, yeah, for me, I uh, I ended up playing. Uh, some of the good guys that I play, Adam Thielen had a really nice game for me. Uh, Darius Slayton. Slayton was a guy I was pretty much locked into playing against Dallas. Um, Robbie Anderson was another one that I played had a nice week. Zeke had a nice week. Um, and then I also played Daniel Jones and Evan Ingram, and that didn't really work out too well along with CEH. Now, CEH, I think, disappointed a lot of people. I don't think a lot of people played Ian Thomas, but uh, a lot of people did play CEH, and he just did not perform that well. Are, are you guys concerned about CEH's productivity for the rest of the season, especially in a redraft league, more so than a dynasty. I think dynasty, we would still the verdict's still out, but in a redraft, he looks kind of shaky behind the, the in that chief system, don't you think, David? I'm not worried about it long term, just because the running back position is so plug and play, and the Kansas City Chiefs running back, like whoever it is, I want that role. Like it hasn't always been pretty with CEH, but the opportunity is there. He's getting like the vast majority of the targets, vast majority of the uh, carries. The The success will come in time, assuming they don't sign Le'Veon Bell, in which case I'm off. <laughs> what do you think about that Le'Veon Bell situation, Rob? I know Kansas City, it seems like it's going to be that perfect fit for him. And last week I talked about uh, if, and I don't think I was on this show. I think I may have been on a different podcast on the Fantasy Impact Today Network. Uh, but if Todd Gurley I thought the Atlanta Falcons, if they lost last week, they need to start looking to move some pieces to to try and produce for the future or at least put some draft picks in the bank or something. And Todd Gurley, I thought, would have made a perfect fit for Kansas City. But now that Le'Veon Bell's released, he might be a good fit for him. If not there, where? 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely interesting with Le'Veon Bell. I mean, that kind of came out of nowhere in a way. I mean, he was disgruntled, obviously, and, um, you know, hadn't been producing for the Jets. And, and uh, you know, the Jets are a team that's just in, in really bad shape, so they're, you know, not going anywhere. But, yeah, I know the Chiefs have been reportedly, you know, as a as a possibility um they get a team in terms of teams with need i mean or teams that when i look around and see have like the worst backfields i i think of the giants and i think of the dolphins um but and i i know you know i don't know if there's any any ties to that i just for me just thinking of of backfields that don't have great clarity or, or players and then same thing kind of the Patriots too I mean it just it always seems like just a Bill Belichick type of move where he uh, you know picks up a, a disgruntled guy and and plugs him into the system um, coming off of a down a down time with another team so you know those are those are some some spots I've been kind of thinking of and you know I thought I know there's some other ones that have been thrown around as well and you know, I, I know I don't know if he's going to be more likely to take a sign with a team that's more of a contender, where he can kind of get a, a a role, and maybe his role might be a little bit smaller, or if he's going to try to go to a, a a team where he might have a bigger role and can showcase that he still you know has it. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, David, I was going to bring that up to you a little bit. I don't, I, I don't see CEH or the CEH Le'Veon Bell going anywhere where it's not a contender. You know, you, Rob, you said Miami, and I'm like, ah, Miami's not on the board. Then he said the Giants, and I said, ah, the Giants, and then I went, wait, Giants are right in the thick of that NFC East, <laughs> but they're still, they're still not going to win the championship. I mean, they're not going to win the Super Bowl. David, you, do you think he's got to go to some place that is a Super Bowl contender, or is he looking to be, I don't know, looking for the stats? I'd imagine he's probably going to go for a contender because if I'm if I'm Le'Veon Bell, I'm thinking it's not going to matter how much I touch the ball, but rather how I look when I touch it. Um, because the money's going to be the same no matter where he goes. The Jets are paying him six million dead, so any team would just need to pay him a, the veteran minimum um, because nobody's paying him more than six million right now. So I think he's going to try to go with a contender in a high-powered offense, show the world that hey, I can still play, I'm still good. Because when you look at Bell's style of running, he's really effective when he has the blocking to do it. That patient running style doesn't really work when there's 15 guys in the backfield before the snap, which was what was happening in New York. So I could, I think I see him going to a team like, honestly, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think would be a really good fit. Um, Ronald Jones is a good early down guy, but my God, he can't catch the ball to save his life. Uh, McCoy's old and hurt. Fournette is bad and hurt. And Keyshawn Vaughn has done nothing during his time there. I could see him going there. I could also see him going over to the Bears, who don't have the best offensive line, but you're probably asking David Montgomery to be, do a little too much if you're asking him to be your three-down guy. New England would make sense. I could see that a little bit, just because Bill Belichick does love to bring in the old veteran, kick the tires, see if there's anything left. Sometimes you get Randy Moss, sometimes you get Albert Hainsworth, but um, I'd say those three are pretty high up there in the running for where I'd expect him to land. Yeah, I, I this my, my prediction, and this is going out on a very small limb here. Uh, of uh, I actually I'm going to stand on three limbs just 
just for laughs, basically just for laughs. I mean, think about how this would work out. What if he doesn't sign with anybody just because he's Le'Veon Bell and he decides not to? You know, just <laughs> just as bad. Nah, I'm gonna get paid. It don't matter. I'm just nah, forget it. I'm not gonna play anymore. Or what if he? What if Baltimore ends up picking him up and he just makes it a four-headed backfield there in Baltimore? Or what? One more for you. One more that I thought of recently. What if it was the Rams and the Rams just go ahead and put him in there and once again it he just joins another mucked up backfield i could just see that happening to fantasy owners and then the coach is giggling at all of our expense no matter where he goes he's going to ruin that backfield so i'm just praying it's a place where i have minimal fantasy stocks yeah we don't need any more players getting hurt speaking of players that hurt us a little bit this week uh one of some of those people in those lineups that were mentioned in this tweet that you put out, Rob. Amari Cooper was one of those people that kind of made fantasy owners cry this week. Not a really good week for him, but isn't that typical going up against that uh, New York Giant defensive backfield, or at least that going up against Bradbury, that, that he just shuts everybody down? Yeah, he uh, he's definitely played really well so far this year, and even last year, but yeah, you know, you th- when you think of the Giants, you don't necessarily think of <laughs> lockdown defense or anything. But Bradbury is one guy that actually, you know, does a really great job when he's locked on a- onto a guy. So, and Amari is kind of a guy. I mean, he's been incredible this year, um, no doubt. And you know, making me look foolish for <laughs> talking down on him uh, before the year. But he's been a guy that's kind of shown inconsistencies throughout his career. He'll he'll uh have some really big games and then all of a sudden he'll disappear for a few weeks. So yeah, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't out of the norm, but there was a lot of people I'm sure who, who played him, especially in baby bowl thinking playing against the giants, this should, should be, you know, a bad defense, a high scoring, a high scoring affair. And um, they were really let down by him. Yeah, George Kittle was another one who let some people down. I think if anybody had San Francisco 49ers in their lineup, they were very surprised at that outcome. But, man, Fitzmagic had it working last week, David. Oh, yeah. Dude is – Ryan Fitzpatrick is probably my favorite quarterback in the league. Obviously, he's not the best, but just the range of outcomes is so wide. That's just (laughs) – in the way he does it, he's just having a blast out there. He's Mm -hmm. 37 years old or whatever he is, running around like he's in his 20s. It's just amazing to watch, and I hope he lives forever. I, I, I don't want to see him go away. <laughs> Everybody's crying for Tua at some point, you know, and if he has a bad game, Fitzpatrick has a bad game, they want Tua to go in there. And my warning is, you're going to miss Fitzmagic whenever it's gone, you know. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's kind of rejuvenating to see somebody that doesn't take the game so seriously like that, especially at, at the quarterback position. And you're right. He just has so much fun out there. It's it's fun to watch. Guys, For A.J. Sure. Green was mentioned in that thread as well or in that tweet as well as having a disappointing game. I, I don't think we can expect A.J. Green to ever have a back, back uh, a, a comeback game this season, can we, unless he goes to a different team? If anyone started A.J. Green, that's on them. I, I okay. have no pity <laughs> for you. Like, Amari Cooper, it didn't work out like that happens like you just the dice didn't roll your way that day but AJ Green there was no reason for anyone to start him yeah and I I almost look at him when I think of veterans that fall into that Le'Veon Bell category that might get released AJ Green is one of those names that might end up getting released and I'm going to put another one out there and and I don't see it happening necessarily it's another thin limb what about Julio Jones once again if if the Atlanta Falcons are stepping into an 0-5, 0-6 record maybe after this week, 
they, they've got to do something different to rebuild for the future. I think Matt Ryan is like 34, 35 years old, somewhere in that neighborhood. Julio is in 30, 31-year-old range, somewhere in there. They've got to do something to think about rebuilding for the future. And I know they could get something for for uh, Julio Jones, it would seem like. But you would think that the Jets could get something for Le'Veon Bell as well. Yeah, that's a that's a tough that's a tough one for sure. I mean, like you said, Julio, he's definitely struggled with injuries, especially this year. So, you know, you never know what they would do, especially like you said, they're 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 looking bad, especially on defense, and you know, they're definitely uh, past their window, and they probably definitely need to start rebuilding soon. So. Like you said, it's like a it's like a thin limb, a small chance, but at the same time, it wouldn't necessarily be shocking if they tried to move on from this core that they had and and move forward with their with a lot of their young guys to try to rebuild. And here's something. I mean, I know that they we think that they can get something for Julio, but let's say they can't get what they think they need. They want to protect their reputation for free agents to go there. You know, if, if they hold on to Julio and Julio just acts like he's injured and Julio doesn't end up suiting up anymore the rest of this year, the, the Atlanta Falcons are going to get a bad rap among those free agents and free agents aren't going to want to go there. But if they release Julio so that he can go to a contender to win that Super Bowl championship, Julio is going to say, you know, behind the scenes, and we may never hear anything about this stuff, but Julio may say behind the scenes, man, Atlanta treated me right. You know, I can't say anything bad about Atlanta. So I think that sometimes that has a little something to do with some of these releases of veterans late late in the season. James Robinson was somebody else that a lot of people started last week, and he just didn't have a great game uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. What do you guys think about his outlook for the rest of the season in that Jaguar system? Uh, Dave, I'll put it to you. If there's anyone panic selling James Robinson, I'm buying him wholeheartedly. Uh, the fantasy points aren't always going to be there, but obviously there's just too much variation uh, from week to week. But if you look at what happened snap-wise, Robinson's still like by far the guy in Jacksonville. He started doing work with a two-minute offense, which he hadn't been doing as much. So he's starting to eat into Thompson's snaps. The ball just didn't bounce his way, but the opportunity's still there. We've seen early in the season that he definitely has the talent to succeed in this type of offense. Um, he's... Not not game script proof per se, but he sees enough targets to be valuable. Basically, um, win or lose, you know, you're going to have a decent start out there more likely than not. So I'm definitely keeping him, definitely looking to trade for him. If anyone's worried about that one week, if they're worried about Des- Divine Azigbo or Ryquel Armstead coming back, I'm not at all. I'm all in on James Robinson. I can see that. And uh, Rob, one last one that made people cry, and I... I, I've been holding out hope for this guy, and I think I'm just trying to wait until there's more weapons in Philadelphia. But Zach Ertz made a couple of baby bow owners cry last week. I think he only had one point, one point, which was one more than Ian Thomas. So I don't feel bad for people at all. But uh, Zach Ertz was is is another one. You got to wait though to use him until we see Alshon come back, until maybe we see Deshaun Jackson come back. Maybe that offense just needs to start clicking a little bit more. Yeah, Ertz is definitely, you know, an interesting one because he does at least he kind of looks at this point like he's lost a step and he's kind of become that guy that's basically just turn around, 
catch, fall down type of guy. Um, he's not really making a lot of plays after, you know, after the catch. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because it is a, it's, it's tough because it's a PPR, you know, scoring format. So you'd think with the guys out um, in the past, he's always been peppered with targets and, that's a time where you're like, okay, well, I want to use him. So I understand the logic of people, you know, trying to use him, thinking that he's going to get peppered with targets, but he just, he just doesn't, doesn't look right right now. I would agree with you. And, and that's something that this, that's what makes this scoring system unique in the baby bowl. I say scoring system. That's what makes this gameplay unique in the baby bowl is you look at somebody like Ertz and you say, okay, he, he's going to get all the targets and you absorb all those targets this week. And then he doesn't perform. And guess what? You can't use him again for the rest of the year. And so that was a big risk reward factor that you have to put in there before you pick Ertz. And I've started shifting away from that big risk reward and tried to find just good matchups like DraftKings matchups. And David, you mentioned earlier uh, in this, in this podcast about being, you know, DraftKings oriented. Is that how you're going about building your lineups? Uh, are you kind of looking at it like that with really good matchups uh, based upon what maybe DraftKings has or Vegas has? Um, yes and no. I mean, DraftKings, obviously the price is one of the biggest factors. I usually try to find those diamonds in the rough, like, this week, I'm probably going to have a lot of Jeff Smith, the uh, wide receiver for the Jets, because he's cheap and the opportunity is there. Now, of course, he is has no talent at all, but sometimes you can just get lucky and catch a few. So, and he's probably priced like in like the 3500 range. So, I'm in, I'm in on him, but I wouldn't play him in Baby Bowl because theoretically, I can stack as much talent as I want in Baby Bowl. I just can only use it once. So basically I just look at opportunity, try to figure out who's in the best situation for this week. If um, let's say like well, the first week, Calvin Ridley didn't have Julio Jones. I played him because, you know, all those targets are going to go there that I ended up coming in first that week. So it's mo- mostly just um, looking for the best combination of talent and uh, opportunity possible for each week. Let me remind everybody real quick that they are listening to the Baby Bowl 2020 podcast here on Fantasy Impact Today Network. Now I'm joined by Rob Norton. You can find him on Twitter at Norton0723. I'm also joined by Dave Latham. You can find him on Twitter at DLPatsThoughts on Twitter. They both write for Last Word on Sports. You can find that at LWOS on Twitter. Uh, I'm also Wes Easley. You can find me on Twitter at Loafnit. Don't forget to follow the show at FI Today with a little underscore at the end. And head over to Anchor FM. Look for Fantasy Impact Today and you can subscribe to the channel on whatever platform you like listening to podcasts on. Make sure you subscribe. Slap those stars if it's on the iTunes app. Leave a review. We thank you so much for your support throughout all this time. And, And Rob, one thing that we've kind of started chatting up in the room is how big is baby bowl going to get next year? And, and I'll, I'll just go be honest as the creator of the baby bowl, you are very realistic. Okay. Cause you're like, Hey, it'd be great if we can get up. I'm, I'm, I'm imitating you now. That's just how, that's <laughs> so, how I read the tweet in my head of you talking. Hey, I, I, yeah, I really hope that it gets up to a hundred. That'd be really good. And, and see, I'm the guy who says, dude, this this thing could be a thousand by next year. We can get it to a thousand by next year, which would be fantastic if that was such a thing. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, the the more the merrier, because obviously you know the more people and the the bigger the uh, donation pool and prize pool is going to be. And um, so yeah, I would definitely love love for it to get 
to a thousand. But like you said, I try to I try to set up set it realistic. I mean, you never know. Could be could get get a thousand. I know this year I kind of started a little bit late in terms of you know the invites and things like that. I had a little delays on some things. So um, you know there was a lot of people who kind of already pretty much overcommitted themselves, um, and that's totally understandable. I mean. Like every, I'm sure all of us have a lot of, a lot of stuff going on in a lot of leagues that we join and eventually you just got to start saying no to a lot of them. So, um, yeah, next year I'd love for it to, to get, get a lot bigger. The one cool thing about this, and I think David, you would agree with this is this is one of the simpler leagues that I'm in. You know, this, this is one of the simpler contests I'm in because there's no waiver moves, you know, so I don't have to worry about that. I, I do have to set my lineup. But it's kind of I'm having I'm having fun setting my lineup because, like you said, it is a DFS style. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, um, that's the one thing for me when I was trying to sell it to a lot of people. You know, I I kept telling them and I said I know you probably are in a lot of leagues and I know you know you don't want to really take on another league, but there's really not a lot of weekly maintenance when it comes to this. You know, because in your normal league, you're looking at waivers and if you have waivers or if you have fab you got to figure out what you want to do with that you got to set lineups add drops you know you might have trades and you know negotiations and all kinds of things going on with a normal league with this you know all you do is get on you can you know you can tinker with it all week if you want and i'm sure some people look at it every day some people look at it once a week whatever whatever works for each person but you know you all you got to do is just set a new lineup each week and and that's really it. Only, I mean, you really only could take a couple minutes and it'd be good. Yeah, and that's that's usually what I do. Uh, I, I you know I think about things. Of course, I'm I mull it over in the back of my mind. But usually, it's like on Saturday, I go, oh man, I need to check all my lineups. You know, so I, yeah. I, and then I start. Uh, next thing you know, two hours have passed, and I've tweaked everything at least ten times like that. Hey, David, you talked about having Jeff Smith in your lineup. I noticed here this week that the New York Giant uh, Jets actually have like. One of the lower point totals expected out of Vegas, they only have a 12.9 point expectancy. Now, it's not as low as Cincinnati. Cincinnati is 11.7 right now. That's that's terribly low. So I can respect you shooting for Jeff Smith to make you a proud papa this week. Who do you look at as quarterbacks go as having a successful week, though, this week? So I should clarify. When I said Jeff Smith, I was talking DFS, not Baby Bowl. Jeff oh, okay. Smith's one of those, like, when I'm going up against, you know, millions of people, not many are going to own him. And I see 10 targets, a huge snap percentage over the past two weeks. He had 95% snap share in week four, 99 in week five, averaging 10 targets over that time frame. I don't have the A dot in front of me, but it's pretty high up there. It's just he's bad, and so is Joe Flacco, so that's why the results aren't there. But the peripherals surrounding it are like maybe there's a 2% chance it pays off, but the fact that possibility exists is why I'm in on it in DFS. Baby yeah. Bull, no, because the odds of it hitting are so slim. And and that's, that is a great strategy right there. And I can see what you're saying, especially in DFS, he'll probably be a $3,000 target somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, not much over that if he is over that at all. Uh, so what kind of quarterbacks, though, are you looking for this week? Where there's not a tremendous amount of high point totals on the board. I think there's only one game, maybe over 55 this week, if I'm not mistaken. And that involves your Tampa Bay Buccaneers to some degree, of course, with Tom Brady as the quarterback. Are, are you looking at either Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady for Baby Bowl? 
Um, I've already used Brady, so not him, but Rodgers is definitely interesting. Um, you know, had the bye week to get, get better. Devontae Adams should be back. Tampa has a great defense, but I tend to think playing the defense is a little overrated, especially when you're going up against like a legitimately great talent like that. Offense tends to be defense, so that wouldn't worry me. The guy I had my eye on was Kyler, though, because I just love to see what he could do against that Dallas defense. I know it's a little hypocritical to say defense gets overrated and then cite Dallas's defense, but they're just so atrocious at every single thing that I just have. I'm going to want to play him. He can. He should be able to throw at will, run at will, and um, I think Dalton is. Ob- he's obviously a downgrade from Dak, but I think he's good enough to at least keep it somewhat close. Where Kyler will have to keep throwing later on in the game. So right now, I'm leaning towards him. Yeah, Piero, my co-host on the DFS Dreamer podcast, he he says Dallas can't stop a nosebleed, so he's playing every quarterback against Dallas until they can. So, uh, and 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 no, Andy Dalton does not going to have much to do with that. Now, I have noticed that Vegas has up these point totals a little bit. Rob, Kansas City and Buffalo is up to a fifty-seven right now. Uh, Ryan. Uh, Allen did not have a great game yesterday, which is weird to say. My my NFL time clock is just really not on point anymore because we're playing games all over the the, the calendar right now, guys. And then we're not going to play one on Thursday night. I'm not going to have any idea what day of the week it is going forward anymore if NFL keeps doing this to me. But uh, Allen did not have a great game last night against the Titans. But against Kansas City, that point total is at 57 and a half. Uh, if we're not if we haven't used Mahomes yet. Or Allen, can we start either one of those guys, Rob? Yeah, I think both of those guys are definitely viable plays because, like you said, that's a that's a high point total. That that game could turn into a shootout. Um, it'll depend. You know, Josh Allen's the type of guy that like he's been incredible this year, and especially um, his passing up until last week has looked much improved. Um, so he's. He, if he's on his game against KC, that that game could really turn into a shootout. So both of those guys are viable. Um, like David said, though, Kyler is one of the is the guy that's like right on my mind. As I mean, he's the one I'm kind of looking towards too because not only not only about the Dallas defense uh, being awful, but both of those teams they're I believe uh, context neutral. They're the two fastest teams in terms of pace in the NFL Mm -hmm. and Dallas, I mean, it is by far. So I don't know if that will change a little bit with Dalton at the helm, if they'll slow it down a little bit, but either way, both of those teams tend to push pace and you know, that, that game could turn into a huge shootout with tons of plays on both sides. So Kyler is definitely a guy I'm looking at as well. I don't know if it matters too much because in fantasy perspective, we don't care if they're getting snaps or if the offense is getting a lot of snaps in a two-minute offense or not. But we got to remember, Dallas has been playing from behind in a lot of these games and trying to close out these games. They're just... They're just running like crazy in the fourth quarter, uh, trying to get as many points on the board as they possibly can. So I don't know if that changes a little bit, and they try to become more ball control in Dallas now that they don't have Dak under center right now. One of the players that I'm looking at, and I haven't used him all year, is Kirk Cousins. I'm going to start chasing around the Atlanta Falcons and just playing the opposite team uh, on these guys. I did that last week with Carolina, 
And I think I can do that a little bit with Minnesota, with Kirk Cousins, and then starting that new running back, Matson, who should be started probably 100% in our baby bowl this week. What do you think about that play, David? Yeah, that would definitely be a decent way to go. Um, You know, Cousins is one of those guys where he's the sum of his parts. When everything's operating smoothly, he can be really great. Um, Thielen and Jefferson are both playing out of their mind, and Atlanta can't stop anything. Although, this is half joking, half real, but um, uh, Dan Quinn is gone, so the Falcons' defense might be good again, or at least a little bit better, because he really does ruin everything he touches. So that that worry is a little bit in the back of my head, but overall, I'd, I'd be comfortable going with Cousins this week. Yeah, I've thought about that too with him, and I, I don't know. I thought the team kind of quit on on Dan Quinn. I'm not sure about that completely. So I do. I am. I am putting that in my football calculator a little bit before I do start the Minnesota Vikings. I just know I got a lot of Minnesota Vikings on the board that I could play, and so they got a 32 point point total this week, and that's just about the highest one in the Vegas board. What are we looking at as far as running backs? go i know uh, rob earlier i think you either tweeted me or you tweeted at people and said that Matson should be 100 percent on this week or at least uh, a lot of people will probably start him what other running back matchups are you looking at that are good yeah like you said i i you know put out a tweet saying you know madison madison should be at least 100 percent on maybe more um it, because the thing is it's like 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 we talked about in baby bowl you know you only can get use a guy once. Now, if if Dalvin Cook's out and say and next week they have a bye, and if he comes back and say he stays healthy all year, you're never going to have a chance to use Madison again, really. So this week is just prime, especially considering the matchup. And I, th- I believe the Falcons give up the most receptions to running back so far in the year, too. So I mean, it's just prime setup for for Madison. And you know, if Dalvin's if Dalvin's out, then I feel like everybody's got to go Madison. I know I will. I mean, it's it's not even a, a secret. So um, Madison definitely, if 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 Dalvin's out. But in terms of some other guys, um, you know, I actually really like David Montgomery this week. Um, he's going against that Carolina defense that we seem to like to target a lot. And since uh, since Tariq Cohen has gone down with a season-ending injury. Montgomery's been used a lot in the passing game too, so that raises his weekly floor a lot. So he's getting all kinds of he's getting a high snap count, um, good target share, good touch share in general, and you know it's a great matchup. So he's definitely another one that that I have my eye on. David, a lot of people are going to probably have the memory of Derrick Henry putting Josh Norman into a little bit more misery, I think, for his NFL career. And <laughs> that, that big stiff arm that, that Derrick Henry had yesterday was amazing. It's always – and then you got to see a bunch of people putting uh, all the compilations of what Derrick Henry's stiff arms have been throughout the years, which is just really fun to watch. Uh, but he might be a good play this week against the Houston Texans defense. I mean, he's one of those that's kind of always a good play. He's Derrick Henry. Personally, I'd probably be saving him for, like, November, December, because he just, that's when he goes, really, really goes to work. But I I can't ever object to playing uh, Derrick Henry in something like this, because every week he has a chance to just truck somebody and go for three touchdowns. Do you have any other running backs that you might have circled that you're eyeing without giving away your lineup? Without giving away my lineup, um, 
One guy I'm thinking about is James Conner. I think um, uh, Pittsburgh-Cleveland could be a decently high-scoring matchup, has a chance for multiple touchdowns, and he's actually healthy, and you don't know how long that lasts, so you might as well play him while he's actually going to be on the field. Um, He was probably the only one we haven't touched on that I was thinking about. Cleveland's really playing some pretty good football right now. Uh, they they they're mixing it up. Baker Baker though, man, he does not stay in that pocket long. He starts running around back there, really just. And, and I think he got hurt a little bit last week. I'm I'm a little bit scared of how much he is hurt, especially going against that Steeler defense. Hmm. What about wide receivers, Rob? Last week we had a couple of wide receivers. Speaking of the Pittsburgh Steelers with Claypool, I don't know that a lot of people started them in baby baby ball at all. They might this week. But uh, who who might we see as a receiver that'd be a good option? Yeah, so um, a couple guys that I'm kind of eyeing up are two guys that have have been hurt so far this year and uh, just came back to um, the past couple weeks. So AJ Brown, who we saw on you know Tuesday or yeah Tuesday night, it's <laughs> weird saying that, and uh, he he looked really good coming back from from his injury and he looked he he looked just like you know a lot of people expected him to before the year and they got a matchup against um the texans um so that's that's one i'm looking at and also kenny galladay is another guy that's been hurt banged up this year and he he came back recently he's he's uh been seeing some good targets and they're, they're playing against that jacksonville defense that's not looked very good so far so those two those two i i got my eye on right now does anybody have an update on uh, DJ Shark yet? Because I, I, he's a big factor for me in watching how that Jacksonville Jaguar offense produced that week where he was hurt. If DJ Shark's not healthy, I'm staying away from all Jaguars. I haven't heard anything, but um, I feel like if it was serious, we would have heard something by now. So I'm going to say no news is good news. Maybe okay. that's a bit of optimism, but... Okay, I I could see that. And uh, David, do you have anybody who you are looking at at wide receiver this week? Wide receiver. So um, the first guy I was really looking at is Hopkins again because Cowboys. uh, (laughs) That's basically Mm -hmm. the free space at this point. If they're going against the Cowboys, I want them. Kenny Galladay is another interesting one. Um, You know, obviously started the injured, started the season injured, came back. They were giving him a pretty good workload. I think he got six targets at least in both of his games, a touchdown apiece. Now he has the bye week, should be 100% ready. Stafford's A dot was rising with Galladay in the lineup, so I expect a pretty big week from him. Um, those two were probably my big two, and probably the two I'm going to go to with, with in Baby Bowl. So I'm thinking a little Hardman action this week, too, with Sammy Watkins going down. They seem to have gotten him a little bit more involved in that offense. But then every time I think that, whenever Watkins goes down or Hill goes down, it seems like Robinson's the one who goes off. Here's here's my weakest part. Tight ends. I, I, I have – it doesn't matter. Redraft, dynasty, it doesn't matter. I am terrible with tight ends. If I pick up a tight end, he gets hurt. Or I end up doing an Ian Thomas thing where he gets zero points. I do think I picked Jimmy Graham the week before, and he did get a touchdown and a lot of targets. So I, I was successful there. But I am just terribly, terribly I, – I can't, I can't pick any kind of tight ends. So, guys, I need help. Rob, I'm going to ask you to help me out with this. And it doesn't matter. I, I go against the worst. It doesn't matter. Just tell me which tight end to pick, man. 
Yeah, I mean, if you want to play it safe, might as well just go with Travis Kelsey. But um, <laughs> um, the dog likes that one. The dog likes I was that. Say, she 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 either improves or she eats it. So, <laughs> well, when she hears the Travis Kelsey, she knows it's time to let the dogs out. Is what it is. That's true, but no. Um, also, I mean, Kelsey Kelsey's an interesting one to me. To be honest, I, I Buffalo's been weird uh, with with tight ends so far there's been a few games where they seem to have gotten torched by tight ends and um other games where they've shut them down so you know i'm i'm i don't i mean kelsey's a type of guy where he's kind of pretty safe safe floor every week david what about you with tight ends i'm going to need help with these tight ends uh and and i'll tell you can i just say who i'm going to th- be thinking about david first of all to be able to help out all the baby bowl contestants so they know who not to pick I'm going to do that. Then we got to do that first. <laughs> uh, how about Jaseki? Is that how you say it? Jaseki out of Miami? Jaseki? Oh, I was going to bring him up. So, Well, that's, <laughs> that's hey, to me, that's, there. <laughs> that's who you don't play. I just like their 36.9 point total that they have here on Vegas's lines. And whenever I think about him, he's he seems to be the number two option for Fitzpatrick from week to week. He's pretty yeah. consistent how many targets he gets. Yeah, yeah. I was definitely thinking him. He was... Um, like everything you just said right there, he's got pretty reliable target share. Fitzpatrick is playing like Fitz Magic right now and really has ever since we got to Miami. Now that we know that can change on a dime, but I think he's got a decent shot of having a good week. If you're looking for a real sleeper one, though, and this um, I reserve the right to change my answer when we get closer to kickoff, but Cameron Brait for the Bucks, um, I think just because everyone's injured there, Godwin might play, Evans and Miller are hurt. Gronkowski clearly just doesn't have it anymore. Howard's done for the year. I think Brait's one of those guys where the ceiling's pretty limited, but he has a decent shot of winding up in the end zone at the end of the day in what should be a really high-scoring matchup. So I'd be down for him if you're looking for like that real uh, contrarian player in baby bowl formats. If you don't want to waste one of the three good tight ends, you could probably get away with using Brait this week. Yeah, that's what I've been doing. I've been holding on to those three tight ends, really. I think I played Kittle one week. It's probably the week that he did really bad. But uh, the other one I'm thinking of, Rob, here is Irv Smith because he got a little more active and involved in that Minnesota offense last week. And once again, I'm I'm starting to kind of stack teams is what I'm starting to do here a little bit. And that, that could be a recipe for disaster if Minnesota has a terrible game. But I like Irv Smith this week. Yeah, Irv definitely is a guy where – He's 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 an athletic tight end. I'm kind of surprised they didn't use him a little bit more um, on in in the year so far. Um, but maybe they've gotten to a point where they realize you know they they're starting to use some of their weapons you know more appropriately. So I don't hate the Irv Smith call. Um, it's definitely risky, but the thing is, is like outside like you guys were talking outside of those top three tight ends, pretty much. I mean, anyone's really tough. Um, you know, for me, I'm looking at guys like I still haven't used Kelsey, so I, I may end up going there. But um, I'm looking at, you know, a TJ Hawkinson against the Jags or Johnu Smith against the Texans. I think you guys mentioned Gesicki against the Jets. Um, you know, all those are definitely viable options. Well, Dave, let me ask you this before we sign off here. You have some report that comes out every Wednesday or Thursday of each week, 
And you mentioned a dot yards on the podcast here earlier, and I think it has a your reporter your graph has a lot to do with a dot. Uh, tell me about that that uh, tweet that you put out each Thursday or Wednesday. Yeah, so Thursday or Wednesdays, you know, in a perfect world when I'm actually on top of my life, so it doesn't <laughs> always happen. But that's the goal. Basically, um, what I work on, I call it my opportunity index. It's pretty similar to an air yards model. What I try to do is um, it's all built on A dot, red zone targets, target share, all that fun stuff. And basically what I try to do is find out what a league average wide receiver would do if given the opportunities provided. So like, example, this week, Allen Robinson is ex- expected by my model to have 18.4 fantasy points in PPR just based on how often Nick Foles throws the ball to him. Now, obviously, Allen Robinson's a talented player. You might be able to put that a little bit higher, but Nick Foles is a bad quarterback, so that might bring it a little bit lower. Um, And the ultimate case, Jeff Smith is the WR6 based on pure opportunity alone. Obviously, that's not going to happen, but the fact that he's seeing that many targets is why I'm interested in him in DFS. It basically just exists solely to identify opportunity, doesn't necessarily factor in talent of the player or the quarterback um it's just sort of to say hey look these guys are getting a lot of chances maybe if the ball bounces the right way they could have a big performance that others wouldn't see coming okay so then since it has a lot to do with air yards it looks like it has a lot at least that's the way i interpreted it okay uh but i'm sure that that factors into some of these things how in the world do you factor in anything that involves the los angeles rams because those guys they throw they're three yards in a cloud of dust. You know, that's <laughs> their air dot is like three yards. And then they're after the air, after the catch yards are like 30. You know, it's just it's exactly opposite of every other receiver in the NFL. How do you factor in the Los Angeles Rams in a, in a chart like this? So basically what I do and this is um, admittedly not not a perfect model. I don't have like a degree in statistics or anything, but what I do is. I went back through 2018-2019 um, data and figured out um, how much average depth of target correlates to value for each target, because obviously not all targets are created equal. Mm-hmm. So um, my expected yards model basically works on, okay, how many targets are you seeing per game? Where are those targets located in the air? And there is a little bit of one of the flaws in it, because it isn't perfect, is that it doesn't tell you right away if this short pass is a dump off with a receiver draped over you or if it's something schemed where there's a bunch of uh, yards after the catch available. But generally speaking, deeper targets are more valuable for fantasy, and that's why you don't really see Robert Woods or Cooper Cup anywhere on my opportunity index. Well, I, I, I like looking at these kind of things. I like charts. It's really simple. It's really nice to look at. So I appreciate your effort. And I know how much work everybody puts in, both you and Rob, put into all your statistics and all your an, uh, anal, analyzing of uh, players. And I really appre- bo- appreciate both of you and whatever you're doing, David, as the two-time champion here out of the last three weeks, you're doing something right, my man. So good job by you. <laughs> Thank you. And I look forward to talking to you again in two weeks. That'd probably be right, right, Rob? Is that right? Yeah, pretty pretty much. It seems like it's uh, turning into, um, you know, every Hopefully other week. Hopefully one. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yes, I, yeah, I, I would. If if it's every one, then you're gonna mess with my football calendar again, and I'm not. I'm just not gonna know what to do. I I'll miss anniversaries. I'll miss birthdays because the NFL's on a different chart. David starts going on a different direction. I'm not gonna know what to do each and every day. Hey, you can find those things over at. DL Pat's thoughts on Twitter. Make sure you're following Dave so you can get those kind of air yard charts or, or the opportunity index chart is what he calls that. And that's a really good looking chart. So thank you, David, for joining us again tonight. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And Rob, you usually put out your DFS material uh, sometime later on this week. I don't know. Thursday's no Thursday game, so we don't have to worry about that. I think I don't think you mess with the Thursday game too much in your DFS stuff anyway. Yeah, not in the article, at least. I mean, I play, I'll play the, you know, the showdown slate. Um, but in terms of the article, usually it'll, it'll come out Friday or Saturday. Uh, generally, is when when it, when it gets published. So keep keep on the lookout for that. Yeah, I will do so. And you can follow Rob on Twitter at Norton zero seven two three, and he's a good follow as well. And he puts a lot of those things out, both of them, right for at L W O S the last word on sports. We appreciate, uh, Rob, I appreciate you each and every week checking in with us. I know you've had a busy week. You, you moved and everything like that, so that made things a little bit chaotic and hectic for you, but I appreciate <laughs> you making some time for us. Yeah, I appreciate you you having me on, Wes. And yeah, every week, it's always a pleasure. It's fun getting to talk to all these guys, and that chat room just keeps getting lit up each and every week with a lot of great conversation. You can find me on Twitter, Wes Easley, at Loafinit on Twitter. Also, don't forget to follow the show, at FI Today with a little underscore. And I'm going to encourage you, FitFam, to head over to Anchor FM and whatever listening platform you like to listen to podcasts on. Just go ahead and subscribe there at Anchor FM to whatever it is, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, whatever it is. Just go ahead and, and subscribe. Make sure you leave a review you slap the stars however you can help the show out and don't forget to tell your friends about the fantasy impact today network uh, let them know about these different podcasts that we have going on and all the great information that we keep giving you each and every week not only from rob and from guests like david but also with john Fursello and uh, jb berry and also pierre on on the dfs dreamers we just appreciate you so much listening to us but more importantly than all that We want to encourage you to find a way to go out into the world and make a positive impact in somebody's life today. 